Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is happening? My name is Curtis, and we've got a great show for you here. On the air with me today, my co-host extraordinaire, Dustin. How are you, sir? Doing all right. Doing all right. Getting censored, but doing all right. <laughs> well, this is only like our third try of doing this opening, so <laughs> congratulations. Now, bite your lip again. And uh, on the line uh, with us is Cameron, our producer and MTG brewer. That's right. You've graduated. Oh, brewer. I like it. I like it a lot. Is, is it a, a lager or a stout? What, what, are, what are you brewing here? Um, right now, red, white, standard, and a uh, merfolk blue. Yeah. All right. All oh, right. you go. just mentioned standard, and I almost fell asleep. So let's I... <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about other things, Cameron. I mean, dude, you know, we've been very, very critical of modern, and uh, that's kind of the the thing to talk about right now. We're going to cover that quite a bit later on in the show. But first, I just want to start every show, like or start this show, like we start every show, by talking about our week. So, Dustin. I'm going to start with you, man. You've been hitting the trade tables pretty hard. I've been doing some trading. Um, the interesting thing is when prices are constantly going up, especially on stuff like the Fetchlands, Misty Rainforest, Scalding Tarn, Star City prices have hit $100 out of stock. As soon as I walk into the room, I got like four people on me saying, do you want Misty Rainforest? I want to get rid of it now. Everybody's just unloading them because the value is so high, and I guess they're worried about the bubble. Right. You know, whether it's just going to collapse or things are going to get reprinted. It, it so. cannot be sustainable. That's my, my view of it. Like, <clears> something's <throat> going to pop that bubble, right? It's got to be a reprint, some sort of something. I don't know. Maybe Conspiracy will have some in there to help cushion it. Maybe M15, something. Okay, so basically you walk into the room. And, and by the way, Cameron, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but whenever you walk to any um, event in our area with <laughs> Dustin, walk in. He immediately gets hit up, right? Mm-hmm. Guys wanting this, guys wanting that. You know, I, I don't know how popular he is with the store owners exactly, but uh, <laughs> right. he works the room. He works the room. And so, you know, would you say it was all modern stuff that was being thrown your way, or was it fetch well, lands still, exclusively? It was mostly fetch lands. Um, locally, we don't see a lot of other modern cards floating around unless they're, you know, EDH players getting rid of stuff or switching things out. Hmm. Um, still a lot of standard stuff going around. So, just hmm. yeah, fetch lands. Everybody's just ditching them. You know, I would almost be on that same side where I would, if I had them, and I'm not going to be playing with them. I would just unload them. Like right now is the time that that number just seems really unsustainable for what it's going to be doing. Maybe by August, right? Right. Well, and and we'll talk about this later on in terms of the actual price fluctuation of the fetch lands and what to do with them. But I do think it is an interesting question, you know, where to go with that. And investing in standards seems like a terrible idea, right? (laughs) The question is, is it such a terrible idea that it's a good idea? You know what I mean? Like, if there's so few people willing to do that, is it the smart play to do it? Right now, I think it is. Well, you got to think that if you're looking to invest in modern right now, it's it's too late, right? I mean, you're still trying to get together a deck that you want to play with, but you missed the boat on everything being, you know, five to ten dollars. Now it's mm-hmm. all closer to twenty to forty dollars, right? And rapidly going up, right? right. Like, um, I, I guess it, it'd still be safer to do legacy investments, right? Because a lot of that stuff can't be reprinted, so your money would still hold, right? And and the legacy cards that are on the reserve list. 
even if Legacy competitively falls apart, which people are predicting, I'm not necessarily predicting, um, you know, those cards are still going to see a lot of EDH and cube play, mm. right? A lot of cube and EDH play. So I don't know that the mm-hmm. price will collapse to the extent that what, you know, people think. Um, Cameron, I want to move to you because you had a week of, it was kind of unusual for you. You weren't playing a lot, but you were watching a lot. And way back when, I want to say like episode five or something, you and I really really sunk our teeth into what we thought of coverage. And so you kind of took in some coverage this week at the Grand Prix level. What'd you think? Yeah. Well, A, I've been dabbling in coverage just because when I first started out, I I just didn't get it. Like, why do you want to watch Magic? I'd much rather just play it. But as mm-hmm. we, as I have become more familiar with those cards and 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 kind of seeing how each one plays off of each other, it's actually become a very enjoyable experience. On top of that, when we were you know kind of griping about coverage and and whatnot, I just I really did feel like back then it just didn't feel like good broadcast content. Um, at least the Star City coverage that we saw from Richmond was ahead and heads above where it was before. I mean, it was quite good uh, to the point where I was actually really captively engaged for uh, several matches. Um, So I didn't get to watch a lot just because like my schedule this week was really, really crazy. Uh, But I did get to watch uh, a modern Merfolk deck who was at 12 and 0 go against, uh, I want to say it was some sort of splinter twin deck, Mm -hmm. maybe a blue red deck. Maybe a blue, white, red. I, I don't remember, and I'm not familiar with that deck enough to know. Um, but that actually gave me hope for for Merfolk. And I mean, I know I have a lot of people have told me like Merfolk is a really solid deck. Um, but it was really interesting to see this guy play it and to see um, how it played well in some parts and how it played really, really poorly in others. Like like that Merfolk deck, it cannot play a long game. It cannot play a uh any sort of control matchup if it tries to go into the control territory it's going to fail miserably um but it does post damage right it does does, post damage yeah 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 it was a it was a i don't know like the coverage just was fantastic i i mean like i was actually actively engaged in a way that i was never expecting to be six months ago seven months ago yeah let me put a finer point on that i think one of the things that star city's done really well is restricted the number of guys that are actually commentating to a core of four or five guys. And that makes a huge, huge difference. Which, by the way, Dustin, I love it anytime I'm making a point that you wave expensive cards into the, yeah. the video camera. And it <laughs> I was, I was showing Cameron, I've got some Master of Waves. I'm yeah. showing his Master of Waves um, for his modern deck. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, Don't hate. honestly, Cameron, Merfolk's a good modern deck. And I know um, John Celso from Tap and Sack, you know, uh, I would qualify him as a friend of the show. Um, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's been a big cheerleader of Merfolk. Yeah. Uh, he wrote, he had that great write-up he sent you. And I know, I know it's something that I personally just have a distaste for, right? Sure. But it's a good deck and it's hard to tell you to invest into another modern deck when all these other modern cards are so expensive, right? Yeah. Um, so speaking of modern, mm-hmm. I took a little bit of a trip. I was told last week. That, hey, there's this place that actually has a pretty lively modern scene. And it was about 35-minute drive for me. Right. And so Saturday, I kiss the wife and kid goodbye. I say, (laughs) go shopping without me. Which is always a dangerous thing to do. It is. And uh, I drove to a card shop. It was a fantastic 
place. All right, great space. They got power there. All kinds of stuff. Inventory is really good. Inventory is good. It seems like they really know what they're doing. They run Star City qualifiers there. IQs nice. there. And right. um, about six people are there, and I'm like, sweet, six people for modern. This rarely happens <laughs> at my local shop, right? right? And so they're like, oh, six for um, modern? Yeah, we're not going to really run it unless we have eight. And then about whenever the owner said that, about five of the guys are like, yeah, let's just play commander. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so they, I mean, like, insta. Like, they had their commander deck on, like, a Han Solo, uh, <sighs> you know, like, Leg strap holster. on their thigh yeah. and their holster. Yeah, and they were just like, right? It was right there. And, and all your dreams just got crushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for people who are new to the show, uh, let's just say Commander isn't my bag. We'll just say that, okay? So then I decide to go to my local shop because I know an hour later they supposedly have a modern tournament that almost never fires. Well, luckily for me, it was a six-man. So two shops to find one six-man modern tournament. <laughs> I show up with Storm, and I 3-0, yay, nice. my tournament. Yeah. Um, and... Honestly, what happened was when it's this small of a modern environment, once people realize that I'm playing Storm, it's like they can't eye roll harder, right? It's just like, <laughs> oh, here we go. And so I just stormed him out and just walked away. But <laughs> so, so Curtis, Curtis, do you think it was such poor attendance because it was such a big modern event in Richmond? Like everybody was just there? No. And nobody was left in town? No. So just to give you... A little bit of context. Uh, I wasn't able to go to my shop, but I saw on the Facebook page there were 32 people at the Modern Event on Friday this last week. So, really, I think Des Moines is just sucking all the modern content. Okay, well, how, Kansas, how about this? Kansas Curtis, City. you drove 35 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, from your house to Des Moines is how long? Three hours? <laughs> would, it, sure. would it still be worth sure. it? Would it still be worth it? You want to start doing modern in Des Moines on Saturdays? I guess, but you know the 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 conundrum becomes, and not to go back to this price thing, but I mean it's just looming over the community, right? Is like, yeah, you know, I have this storm deck that overnight quadrupled in value, and the best I can do is playing it in a six man. What am I doing, right? I mean, it's very feasible to think that I'll play in more Star City Legacy Opens this year, which is like four, than I will modern events. Right. And so I'm in this real rut. Well, at any rate, um, that was Saturday. Sunday, Dustin and I got invited to uh, a cube get together. Nice. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I got to give a shout out to my my boy, Rob. So Rob, Rob has a cube that's like seventeen hundred cards. And what's what's a adjective for it, Dustin? E eccentric. It's a very strange cube. Eclectic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. And it's not, it's one of those things that I like sitting down to it because it really stretches my capabilities as a player because it's so outside my comfort zone. I don't think I've ever won a match <laughs> when I've cubed at his place. Right? right. And I ended up drafting a Thopter Foundry robot chicken control deck. Right. <laughs> See, that that's my problem though with it. It's like, I don't mind a cube if it's all like, like legit cards, but robot chicken being thrown in there, man, really? It's like a one of spoof card that they gave what, Seth Green, right? Yeah, yeah. It really sounds it really sounds like you're making this up. 
by the way. <laughs> well, just to give some context, so ro- Robot Chicken is not a real card. Right. Well, hang on here. Hang on here. Technically, it is. So, Cameron, there's been cards in the past that Wizards of the Coast has made one ofs or really low printings of and give them out to special people, right? Like the guy who invented it, Richard Garfield, he made one that was like a proposal to his wife, this and that. There's holiday cards that are given out and a little bit more mass droves every year to like top retailers and people that work at Wizards. The robot chicken card was made. There's like one, maybe two of them. They were given to the robot chicken guys. Um, so there is stuff like this that does exist, but it's so obscure, and it's obviously not tournament playable. Okay. Right. So, so right. I posted my my what I drafted on Twitter, <laughs> and I actually played a game where I almost lost to milling myself. That's how little this deck did. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, it was it was a great experience, you know, and just to kind of talk and, and chat with people outside of a tournament setting, because what's really great about Cube is the social aspect. I feel like... These tournaments, it's very hard to socialize anymore. And maybe I just felt that coming off of St. Louis where we were packed in there like sardines. It was like right. a rock concert or something. We were having to like stand right next to each other to talk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's nice to just have that where we can just sit and chill and chat. Um, you know what the real answer is for you wanting this socialization? It's called EDH, Curtis. You should, you should try it out. <laughs> ah, very, very funny, Cameron. Uh, I, I would almost maybe, guarantee you'll play a game of EDH before I will. Maybe Conspiracy will do it for him because they still break off into pods of like three or four people at a time and all fight against each other. I know Curtis loves that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I will probably go and draft this Conspiracy thing just to get the chase cards. How long do you think it'll take for me to pull out my Vita and start playing Spelunky <laughs> mid-match? <laughs> That's the real question. So true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, come back, and just just talk about modern. Just talk about modern. So we had the second biggest Magic the Gathering tournament ever this last week at GP Richmond. Right. Uh, kind of surprisingly, they... it's modern. And it does feel like the tipping point for this format. And obviously, we've been very, very, very critical of modern. Um, right. we'll, we'll get to those criticisms here in a second. Now, I, I think they expected it to beat out Vegas because they were trying to cap it at 5,000 people, where Vegas capped it at 4,500, but they just mm. weren't able to get that, that last amount of people in there. Yeah, and, and by the way, just to give you an indicator, and this was posted on Twitter um, by somebody who works at Wizards, forgive me, I don't remember who, <laughs> they said that there were only 220-some-odd players that are shared between the two events. Really? What? Yeah. So well, that they're... gives you an idea of, you know, just the popularity of Magic right now, where right. it's headed, where it's going. It, it's, and it's, it's a also, good place. In between those two routes, there's like close to what, 2,000 miles or yeah. something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it is very far away. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't in a situation where they can, you know, fly across country. I mean, obviously, right. there are some that can. Or drive but... a day and a half to get somewhere. Right, and the point is, is like Magic has just, it feels like an incredible amount of momentum in terms of popularity. And, you know, I was talking with my wife, who is not a player, has no interest in Magic really at all. Uh, but she was just talking about how, in terms of, you know, kind of geek culture, Magic is so unique, right? It is, it is sure. such a different experience than any other kind of Comic Con or anime fest, or you know these kinds of things. It's not a celebration; it's a competition, right? And mm-hmm. 
through being a competition, it becomes a celebration. That is like the worst line I've ever cooked up on the show. <laughs> I, I, I think what it's becoming is it's becoming a household name, you know, like Star Wars or something like that. Yeah. It's just everybody knows somebody that's played it at least once, right? And there's right, a lot of, right. um, you know, somewhat famous people or, you know, like TV personalities, people like that, that, you know, sometimes reference it or have even played it. So the coverage broke also <laughs> 20,000 concurrent viewers. So that just gives you just to emphasize the popularity of what we're talking about here is there was a lot of people not just there, but also watching. I think that Dustin will probably become a cosplayer for Magic. <laughs> really? That, really? That's that's like the next step and the next evolutionary step of Magic. You know? Okay, I mean, Cameron. Who am I going to cosplay as? Well, I think the answer is obviously Dak and Blackblade. <laughs> I was going to say Liliana, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can cover that later. I, I can like back and forth different events, both right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you know there's like a fury of listeners that are like Googling Dak and Blackboard. <laughs> like right they now. don't remember him. <laughs> dude, that was like With the its awesome Richard Kane Ferguson art. Yeah, dude. You can't beat it. Anyway, it's, um, it's kind of like so, Death Dealer, right? I mean, it's old school <laughs> classic awesomeness. Agreed on all those points. Um, now, is it coincidence that both the biggest tournaments have been modern? Does that mean modern is officially staying around? Well, I mean, one was Modern Masters, right? So it was sealed, which Still is still modern, a little, little bit different, a little bit. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And you know, that, that's more of a chase card thing too. But I would point out that I think Modern is quickly catching up to Standard. It's not all the way there. Obviously, Standard is going to be you know the most popular format. But like I said last week, um, you know, a lot of people are just playing one Standard deck and are seeking out Modern staples, right? right? And not Legacy staples anymore. And that's a really interesting phenomenon. I do want to talk a little bit about the top eight because that kind of keys into our criticism of the format. Um, bottom line, it's not as diverse and interesting as Legacy, right? right yeah. um, they, you know, the Pro Tour give, gives you this illusion of variety because a the type of player that tends to play at a Pro Tour, but b the fact that there are draft rounds, right? <laughs> And obviously those count towards the top eight. So you kind mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the best overall records don't result in you being in the top eight based upon your draft record as well. So um, when we look at the top eight, though, we see a much different story for GP Richmond. Five, five Maliripod decks in the top eight. Right. Two Affinity, one Twin. And I didn't do the full on count of how many pod decks there are in the top 16 or whatever. It looks like almost all of them are just top eight. There's a lot of affinity right. here, too. For, for the top 16, it's still five pods, and then I believe it's five affinity, four twin decks, one scapeshift, and one fairies. Right, and shout out to the fairies guy, man. Yeah. Talk about... Yeah. He was probably sweating bullets, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is sick, man. I, I mean... Keeping the bitter blossom expensive. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, someone's got to fight for our honor, you know what I'm saying? And it's right. straight blue-black fairies, which I thought was just sweet. But anyway... Um, you know, there's a few control decks here too, but the pod deck um, dominated coverage. I mean, look at Affinity and Pod. It's just like you just see Affinity, Affinity, Pod, Pod, uh, Twin, Pod, Pod. You know, it's just it's unbelievable yeah. how little variety there is for how many cards we're talking about. And I, I'm officially jumping on the wagon, guys. I think it's time for Pod to go. I really do. I, I really thought it was going to be Pod instead of Death Right, and 
I still think that would have been a better choice. So here's my problem. Yeah. And Dustin, I am a hundred percent with you. Okay. Um, the pod decks don't have a bad matchup. And if you're a good enough pod player, you can very easily work around whatever the situation is. Right. Um, it's also a problem in that it's the only thing that really tutors up cards in modern. And I think when you ban Jace and you ban Stoneforge and you ban all these other cards, it reduces the power level of everything, including like they ban Preordained Ponder and Sword of the Meek. Um, you know, it makes Birthing Pod by far and away the strongest strategy. And it's really looking a lot like for those of us who were around when Survival of the Fittest got banned in Legacy. Guys, this deck, it looks a lot like those decks. It's not that far off. Mm -hmm. Cameron, what do you think, man, of all this? Because I know you took in some coverage. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if if Wizards' entire goal was to create more diversity when they created the ban list, this just doesn't seem like it's a solving anything. I mean, when there's so many robots that I'm looking at here, and they're all kind of the same deck... I, I don't know, like, is there something within that deck that they should have <clears> banned or not? I don't know. Or maybe it was just, you know, unbanning some of the more powerful staples that, that should exist. Yeah, I hate the logic when people are like, well, Affinity's, you know, easy to hate out. You're telling me that many people at the Grand Prix didn't have Shatterstorm? I mean, come on, <laughs> right? Sometimes you are already dead. And I, I'm not necessarily advocating for banning things, but if you are going to keep at this current line where you are banning the power level down, pod is just way stronger than anything they've left in. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that, you know, uh, pod is a much stronger card than Bloodbraid Elf, which got the axe last time, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so th that's my, my tangent. I think modern still has a lot of potential. Unbanning Bitter Blossom and Wild Nakatl really helped the format. But we need to adjust some of the other level power levels of the other decks to get where we needed to be. Um, Dustin, let's talk about this in terms of money. Your favorite topic. Always, right? Well, obviously with Pod being so dominant, uh, Pod doubled in price uh, by Star City standards. Yeah, it's 20 bucks now. Um, which I'm surprised it didn't do that Like after it wasn't banned. I, I would have expected to slowly climb. But yeah, it just kind of poof. There it was, right? Um, along with that, if you look at the twin decks and the pod decks, Spellskite has shot up to $20 as well. Wow. Yeah. My copies will be going bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you look at, uh, the other random things, obviously, uh, we knew Scalding Tarns and stuff were going up, but now Verdant Catacombs has hit 70. I'm sure once Marsh Flats and Arid Mesa gets restocked, those will be 70 as well. It's just, it's all going up, man. Yeah, it, it's all going up. The question is, is there a bubble, right? It, I don't... I think this is mostly stuff meeting demand. Right. And until they reprint, but, I mean, what's the scenario that this is a bubble that collapses? How does that look, you know? Yeah, it's it's really tough call. Um, like I said, I'm leaving it all to reprints to, to finally burst the bubble. The thing that I've been thinking about, too, it's like... There is plenty of modern cards out there. There has been modern masters. Prices do keep coming up. Obviously, the tournaments are getting bigger. But if you think about when Zendikar was out, they said the player base almost doubled for Magic the Gathering, right? Mm -hmm. And if that's true, 
and that was four years ago, what's the average age of those players nowadays? Does everybody have a good job? Do they have all this disposable income? Is the bubble being sustained by that? Because if it was still a bunch of you know kids in uh, high school or just starting to go to college, they wouldn't have as much money to spend on it, and the cards would still be in stock because people couldn't afford it. That's fair. That's fair. So, Cameron, you're so, you're kind of on the outside looking in, buying into this format. Where where are you at with this? Well, I mean, like the bubble could pop, not from like a reprint of of anything in particular, but it could just be like a new standard season that makes this bubble pop, where all of a sudden we have a completely new format, or, or not format, but a new a new set of cards that just make standard popular again, and could totally, you know decrease the value maybe not as quickly as like you know a, a, a reprinting would of like of the fetch lands but i don't know i think like a good standard season come october or december january whenever the you know we have some real rotation out of cards we could see like a, a whole new format or a whole new um yeah way of playing that people are going to be into now cameron i agree with that but what i have seen in the past is um when extended was still a thing it kind of did the same thing. Extended season would come, everybody would run out and buy what they wanted, and then when extended season was over, a lot of cards would come back on the market and things would go back down. Okay, um, so I don't know. If it, I, I don't know what extended means. It, extended it's what was, modern used to be, right? Modern before okay. modern. That went back a little bit further, right? Okay. It went back further and it rotated, right? Okay. So like it was always the past like five years or whatever of Magic, and they they actually tweaked the extended okay. several times and it was incredibly unpopular. Modern right, okay. is way more popular because it doesn't rotate. Sure. Um, so that being said, it could be, you know, standard just like gets popular again because of like the new block that's going to come out in October. That's a good possibility. But if it's not that, it could be that these prices go down just because modern season dies off and then people go back to standard because they want to go to the big tournaments and so on. Sure. And then it, you know, happens all over again if the reprints don't show up. Then modern well, just keeps going up and up again. Here's this perspective I want to take on this because I'm the guy that when Modern was initially announced at the um, Magic Online Community Cup before it mm -hmm. became a player format, I went to the store and dropped a lot of money. I got the you know five dollar cryptic commands and you're paying you know, like eight dollars on Shocklands and like complaining about yeah. it the whole time. Yeah, I, I remember talking to a dealer about Temple Gardens for six dollars at Grand Prix Kansas City, which was a Scars of Mirrodin. Uh, sealed event right and um you know i was just working my way to get to zoo and all this other stuff and obviously the bannings hit me pretty hardly or pretty hard and so i had to change what i was doing but over time what i was doing is when those cryptic commands hit 30 i let them go to get legacy cards and i've been using what i bought in modern to get legacy cards mm -hmm. right because i'm more likely to play legacy than i am modern which is kind of a sad state of affairs considering the availability well, now I'm in a, a, a spot where I can completely sell out of modern, like just be done with modern for as long as I need to be, mm -hmm. and then get um, the the legacy cards and just basically fill out my entire collection, which I think is the right play, right? But I'm having trouble with that. Right. Well, and, the and you've thing, said it for like the past two shows about Scalding Tarns getting to the point where you can trade them for dual lands, and yeah. it is not out of the question. It is right is there. insane. Especially well, with... It's, them being sold out so often, right? Yeah, yeah. It's more expensive than Savannah and Scrubland, which are very playable dual lands, depending right. on the deck you're playing. And we are talking about a $20 difference right now between a mint Scalding Tarn and a mint Tropical Island. Right. I mean, Tropical Island sees a lot of legacy play. So I, 
you know, that's just kind of the place that we're headed to. And it's a scary thing because I'm worried what it's going to do to the popularity of modern if it becomes too inaccessible. Because right. if the, these prices keep going up and they don't address it, guys, those six-man modern events aren't going to get any bigger where I'm at. <laughs> right. You know, and it also creates this real panic. I'll tell you this story. This morning, I was in the shower. This is headed to an interesting place. I <laughs> <laughs> And the thought occurred to me, and this, the, okay, the event ended the night before. I was like, oh, man, Restoration Angels. I sold my Restoration Angels when they were 25. I need to buy some new ones. Go to Star City. Sold out. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they were they went up. They were like five bucks, and now you know now they're ten. And they were out of stock on the mint ones. Went to Card Kingdom, ordered their promos at six apiece. Right. Haven't gotten confirmation on the order yet. <laughs> but so now I'm waiting. I'm sure. I, I mean, I hate to put them on the spot, but we'll see what happens. I mean, right. Card Kingdom's got a very good reputation. Yeah, it's a very big company. They're pretty reputable. Yeah. So I, you know, but I put that in. And I'm like, come on, Restoration Angels. Otherwise, I go from paying. 24 bucks for four of them to $40, $50, whatever it's going to be. So it's a scary thing, right? And it puts this panic in you as a player. It's like, man, if I need a card, I need to get it now. And somewhere out there, there's a guy with disposable income going, man, scalding tarns. I need to get those right now. Mm -hmm. And the nightmare scenario, Cameron, is that they don't reprint them anytime soon. And standard continues to be bad. And we have $200 scalding tarns in a year time. Years time. Jeez. Not to mention the fact that they did increase so quickly. They might not had time to think about let's fit these in M15 or even in the new block that's coming out in October. Sure. It could be something that they had planned for maybe a year down the road, not expecting mm-hmm. you know doubling in price on this stuff in like the past what two months. Right. And by the way, now now do you think fetch lands are going to be in the event deck, Dustin? Huh? <laughs> Still no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that does seem like the first place that they can do a quick fix, right? Where they right, can just right. say, boom, Marsh Flats is in it. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw, it's black-white. Or at least that was the image that was floating around Twitter. It's not confirmed by any stretch. Right. Um, so they're still saying yeah. only one event deck? It's not like uh, that was, two at a time? That's so weird. Yeah, that's the image that's floating around the internet. That's all I know. Hmm. Um, Cameron. Yes, sir. Are you ready, sir, to become a spike? I think so. And welcome back. This week, we're going back to Cameron becoming a spike. You know, it feels like we haven't had a really uh, in-depth talk um, with you, Cameron, about your spike status lately. It's Before true. we get, get into the card, how do you feel like you're doing as a player? You feel like you're past that noob status? Oh, yeah, totally past the noob status. I mean, you know, I, I go to like a Friday night event and I'm either winning two or three games. So I'm feeling good. Uh how do I reach that, you know, five zero or four one level? That's like my next goal. Uh, drink two raw eggs every morning, buddy. That's the oh, key. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every all the great players do it. All the great players. <laughs> right. Anyway, so every week we give Cameron a card. Um, it's an eternal format playable card. Um, and we ask him to evaluate it again because it's the topic du jour. We decided to give him a a modern card. What do we got, Cameron? Uh, we have Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle. It is a land card, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it reads, Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, enters the battlefield tapped. Whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control, 
If you control at least five other mountains, you may have Valakut the Molten Pinnacle deal three damage to target creature or player. And mm-hmm. then it also has tap to add one um, red to your mana pool. So, um, this is actually a card I'm I'm really considering because it did make like the top 16 in uh, the past modern event, uh, First Star City in Richmond. And... Uh, the the key is not really Valakut, but it's the um the scape shift, right? Where you're able to sacrifice however many hit lands you have in order to put other land cards in so that you're dealing three damage each turn or each time you put in a new land into play. So you could theoretically each mountain that is each mountain, excuse me. That's right. I, I, yeah, I need to be more clear each mountain. So you could theoretically have 15 points of damage done. Uh, very, very, very quickly. Okay. Yeah. You're close. <laughs> okay. Um, Learn me. So before we get into this, Dustin, on the financial side, there was a promo for Valakit, right? Right. Are these worth anything? No. Valakit <laughs> as a whole is, is basically worthless. Um, and I find that really odd. Uh, the promo is worth like a dollar more than the regular. So the promo is three on Star City and two for a regular. Um, it's, it's really weird to me that it hasn't gone up more because it is so popular. Maybe it's because EDH doesn't use it as much anymore since the banning of uh, Primeval Titan. I don't know if it's a if it's an EDH staple or not. Um, we're clearly talking to the wrong guy. I think we've established that <laughs> right, before. Right. Um, whenever people are like, "Yeah, my general's so and so," I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." I don't even know what that means. Right. Well, so so even when Scapeshift, um, which one? Was, it was Valakit that got unbanned in Modern, right? Okay, yeah. So Valakit was on, originally on the ban list. Right. Yes. So even uh, when it okay. came off the ban list, it didn't go up in value. Scapeshift went up in value, and you know other cards that synergized with it, but Valakit itself didn't go up. Right, and it and it was really weird because that was the card that they unbanned, and it was like insta a deck because Scapeshift right. was a um, uh, extended deck that was very popular, and um, it was just like okay, so you can unban that combo deck, but again. <laughs> While Nicodel's like it was just such a strange yeah. that that modern list whatever band list. So here's what you need to understand, Cameron. There's kind of two variations of Valakit. When okay. Valakit was in standard, it was a ramp deck, and the entire thing played out with four Valakits, and exactly like you think. Now keep in mind, Valakit is not legendary, so if you have multiple Valakits, they trigger individually. Nice. And so what you would do is play ramp cards and this card called Primeval Titan, which allows you, whenever you attack or it enters the battlefield, to go get two land cards and put them into play tap. Of any land okay. so, cards. Nice. So it wasn't that uncommon for you to get um, Valakitted out. Um, unfortunately for Valakit, it just got owned by this deck called Cobblade, which was this incredibly <laughs> oppressive standard deck. Don't you mean um, everything got owned by Cobblade? <laughs> everything got owned by Cobblade. I would still maintain to this day Vingevine decks were good against Cobblade. But those decks just fell apart to Valakit. Creature decks could not beat a Valakit deck. They just right. couldn't. Um, but anyway, the scape shift thing is a little bit different. So you explain the combo kind of, but not really. When okay. you resolve scape shift, the game is over. Because what happens is they get 
um, the appropriate number of Valakids and cards that are mountains, meaning steam vents or stomping grounds, they all hit at the same time, okay? And okay. so each mountain registers individually and hits them for 18, oh you know, gosh. up to 30 yeah. points, like, boom. Mm-hmm. So once you hit a certain number of man, I can't remember what the magic number is. I think it might be six or seven lands in play, and you scape shift, the game is over. So okay. it is it is a combo deck that can potentially kill you on turn four. And what's nice about Scape Shift as a deck is it has a lot of game against other decks because you're playing counterspells, right? It's ramp cards mm-hmm. and counterspells. Um, unfortunately, it's very slow against things like Affinity. Um, you kind of have to hope things work out for you. And most of the time, you'll see things like um, Ancient Grudge, Volcanic Fallout, Shatterstorm, just to try and like clean up that matchup, you know? Sure. Um, but... It is also a deck that if you have some way of interacting with the combo or like milling the mountains out of their deck, they can't win because they have to get the right amount. Right. Sure. So it's a fun and interesting deck. I will just say that. Um, and by interesting, I mean I hate its guts. But <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, anyway, Dustin, mm-hmm. let's say someone would like to speak to you via the internet. Right. Is your email an excite email? Is it a friendster email? Where are so, you at? What I'm thinking is they can be listening to our podcast and just keep yelling back at the iPod or stereo, whatever they're listening it on. Maybe I'll hear them. We'll find out. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. The chance is there. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you, what Twitter, can they do? at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now, our official show feed is at spikefeedmtg you can find us on brainstormbrewery.com mtgcast.com and last but not least spikefeed.com we will check you guys next week 